Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. All right. Woo. Welcome, everybody, to the Gamekeeper Studios here in the Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Building. And we are, it's kind of swelteringly the hot. The AC's out. And oh, my goodness. Thank goodness it's October. Yeah, it's, uh, but it's still, it's hot up in there. And, the, so, you know, the light buzzes so loud that we can't turn the fan uh, on. Yes. <sighs> we might upgrade the studio one, one day. day. We, one one day, day. We can dream about it. And, uh, you know, we've got this... Uh, Casio recorder. Is that how you say it? Casio, Casio, old recorder. It's about 25 years old and some mics. One day we'll get, maybe we'll get a studio. Casio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, Today we've got an interesting show. And uh, on my right is Lanny Wallace. Hello. And uh, Dudley Phelps over here on the left. Who's not clean shaven today. I'm west of you. He's slightly, slightly bearded. Yeah, we got producer Cleveland over there, and then wandering around somewhere is Richie with a camera trying to film a little bit. So, great, great. But here we are. It's another day. <laughs> you know the the uh, so the podcast that we recently did with the uh, mountain lion or the but talking the long about long tail cats generated a lot of interest. We've got a lot of Facebook posts and. I got text on all hours of the night with people sending me uh, pictures or I saw this, I saw that. And we're starting to put some stories together. You know, like I've got a buddy I, I mentioned that had the photo of the footprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it happened to be right near where Rob Moore was hunting uh, close to the same time. You know, there, there's a lot of there's more things that are going on. Hey, this is like a cold case file. Yeah. It's great. It really is. And <laughs> we're, we're not all getting the, any work done, though. Uh, but. but it's good, see. And I appreciate everybody sending in their stories and everything else because it is interesting. It really is. So I want to circle back to that because today's show is where we're going to continue the long tail cat theme. But let's talk about what's going on around here right now. And mm-hmm. boy, the food plots, we're getting a lot of people calling in, sending pictures. The food plots are popping. A lot of good rain events and a lot of good warm days and food plots are a big thing right now. Uh, what about uh, trees? People interested in trees? I hear the phones ringing a lot. Phones are ringing a lot. It's cooling off up north and people are planting. Yeah, I mean, fall, I think, is probably will be my favorite time to plant. I don't know about you, Dudley, trees specifically. Um, and I've, I've learned this from Dudley. So I don't know. What's the, what's the theory? What's the reasoning behind planting in the fall? Well, they have more time to root in mm-hmm. before the drought happens the next summer. Right. So, if, you know, spring is oftentimes a little bit more moisture. But 
there's less time between spring and the summer drought. Yeah, so, so in theory, the, the roots more or less get settled in in the fall. Yep. Uh, and then I guess it's got to establish the roots first before it can grow up. Right, grow so out. they're yeah. going to be more off to the races in the spring if yeah. you fall plant. It's cool. kind of the same scenario with planting clover in the fall, too. Exactly. There yeah. you go. Yeah, it sure is. So. They, they both work great. They're time-tested ways of doing it. But uh, What was it used to say? Sleeps? Clover sleeps, and then it leaps. Ah, so yeah. planted in the fall. Mm-hmm. Sleeps, in then the, it leaps. In the south. In the south. <clears throat> so, and one thing I want to encourage everybody, uh, uh, put those utilization cages out. We had a, a guy emailed a picture in the other day and said, my crop only grew, he had, he had planted some maximum, mm-hmm. only grew in the cage. And so he, <laughs> he sent the photo, and it looks like bare dirt. If a guy had planted that and came back a month later and saw that, they would be they certain would. that the plot had failed. Yeah. But that cage showed him that the maximum should have been three inches tall. Yeah, utilization cages, I think that's what we call them. But just fencing off a little bitty area in your food plot so you can really see what you're doing. I mean, because – I mean, a successful food plot is not there because the deer are eating it all. But it is really cool to see, you know, how much forage you're really feeding your wildlife with those utilization cases. Yeah, it is. So uh, as far as a little blood on the biologic, there's been quite a few. Uh, God, did you see that deer Marguerite kill? Uh, oh my, how many times can, can you say that a deer is two feet wide? I don't know. It's, it's They're all running together. There's so many people I, killing big deer. He is so like, good at what he does, though. So, look, today's episode is uh, going to be brought to you by Russell Boots. We're all big moccasins. fans of, of Russell, the Russell Moccasin Company and Joe Gagno and the and the boots that they make. They've got they've some been, GameKeeper editions. Mm, and, they've been friends of, of the brand for a long time, starting yeah. with our good buddy Bob Dixon. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, they, so, if you get a chance, go check them out. They are the finest turkey hunting boots you can you can uh, you can put on them swamp feet. They, they are really, really <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, not just turkey hunting. <laughs> They're the finest boots. I mean, for any application. Yeah, I would agree. That then they they're like a bunch of little elves up there and cobble them together. Cobble. They build the boots right wow. there in this little I shop. Look that word up. Their Facebook page and Instagram. I, I like looking at their photos and of all the the wooden molds and you know watching them make everything. Stuff like that's not made so, like that yeah. anymore. They're they, custom. They Obviously, it. they're custom. They measure your foot and build it to spec. Yep. And they will last forever. They're good boots. So, circling back around today, we've got a guest named uh, Jason Cook, who is an outfitter. He owns this uh, business called Land of Giants out in Kansas. And I think he actually outfits in Alaska a little bit. We can ask him about that. But he's a, a full-time in the hunting business. And he was in Florida last year and was attacked by a big cat. And he's he's got we'll put up a picture of, of his of his face. And what a deer endeared me to him. I didn't know him, but bless his heart, he's wearing bottom land. And even he had a gamekeeper hat on when this happened. So immediately, I was kind of interested in the story. Yeah. And um, so last year we posted it on Instagram and. Uh, and, and really, I hadn't kept up with it since then. But once we started all this other w- about long tail cats, I thought, well, let's talk to Jason and, and find out his story, what happened. Because mm-hmm. in Florida, there are the long tail cats. There are Florida panthers. I think they're you know they're endangered, and there's not. But I think I've heard about two hundred of them left. 
So they're highly and highly endangered and preserved and people uh, have full-time jobs down there trying to take care of those things. So there's no question that there are Florida Panthers and mm -hmm. he had a he had an, he's got a story to tell. But before we get him on the phone, I want to circle back and after I listened to our podcast uh last week, I realized that you were kind of describing that the cat you saw may have been black. And I didn't pick look, up on look, that look, 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 the, look, I, I don't want to ruin your Black Panther party, but <laughs> however, you know, and I know what I said. I never, I, 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 I need to go back and listen to it myself, but I don't think I ever said what I thought it was. And I never said I thought it was a Black Panther. You know, what I saw was dark. It was not black. I describe it as almost brindle. You know, it had something else going on, but it wasn't. The, the color of a mountain lion. I personally believe it was, and I'm going to say this wrong, a, a jaguarundi is what I believe it is, which is a cat. And we touched on this a little bit yeah, we, from Central America. Mm -hmm. um, I've, you know, since people have, you know, I've got some buddies that have reached out and we've talked about it a little bit. And so I do need to clarify. I don't think what I saw was a black panther. Oh, okay. And, you know, I, what I believe I saw was definitely a long-tailed cat, um, but it was not a mountain lion. It was not a. It wasn't. It. Well, I've seen pictures. Let me look at Florida cougar or is there a Florida, Florida panther? Panther. Florida yeah. panther. Yeah. So, no, it doesn't. I'm gonna look yeah. at one right quick. Yeah. After talking to some biologists and you know just our our friend network. Um, yeah. It's, it's this thing. We've been told that jaguarundis have been documented in the Tensaw Mobile Delta area. Let me um, show you this. In part. recent times. Yeah. So okay, it makes so. sense. Jagarundi? Yeah. Panther. Well, you can, can see. put my glasses on here. A very distinct difference in the two. All um, those cats are pretty. Let me zoom in. Well, I got my glasses on now. So, okay. So that's. Hold on, hold on. Look at this. This is. Here's the Florida Panther. Mm. You know. That is not what I saw. Okay. Now go back to the Jaguarunde. This is the Jaguarunde. This is what I believe I saw. And it's like this. What I was talking about, he was dark but brindle. Yeah. It's so he looks like a bobcat with a long tail. Kind of, sort of. And it's darker. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, just just, just me and you and Dudley sitting Yeah, we just us, this fella sitting Do you think here. it could have been a big male otter? No. Uh, you know. It was a talk, cat. It was a cat. It was a cat. I've seen otters, you know. Yeah, it, it was not an otter. Mm. I do not believe it was an otter. You've seen enough cats. I'm not yeah. even considering I've seen enough that. otters, yeah. And I can see, you know, I know you've talked to, I've talked to, you know, one of our good biologist buddies, and you talk to your biologist buddies, and they're saying a lot of these mistaken identities for black panther sightings is a giant otter, you know. And, I mean, I can see where they're coming from. I really can't. I think Listen. a cat it looks like a cat. You know, yeah. it's got it bounds. Yeah. Uh, it's really sleek looking. I know an, an otter's really low to the ground. Really low to the ground. Uh, mm -hmm. but, and, and they I, don't move the same. Yeah. It's just the way you can identify a, a dove flying through the right. air. In a flock compared, of birds. Compared to a woodpecker. Right. Exactly. It's, it's the way it moves, it's completely different. Well said. That's a great comparison on the doves when the mm -hmm. Tweety birds are flying, but you know which one the dove right, is. Right, right, Just the motion and the way that they move. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I know I think you know, but it was this thing I saw was very dark, and you know, and, and I know Dudley brought it up last time. You know, the distinct difference in mine and Rob's stories are that you know his was very mountain lineish, you know, mine was not. You know, it was just a different different critter mm. is the best way to put it. Mm. But I've been infatuated with him since then. That's for sure. Well. That's 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 interesting. So I'm gonna see if I can confirm. Didn't didn't you say something about your buddy said that um, there was a Jaguarundi sighting in Mobile Bay? Yeah, my buddy Brad, uh, he's an archaeologist, but uh, yeah, there's Jaguarundis have been documented in the Mobile Tensaw Delta, which you know is South Alabama. Drain, so they drains would be, in the Mobile Bay. They would be coming up through. Texas along the coast. Yeah, he, he also said, and uh, I looked it up. You know, Roosevelt was hunting jaguars in Texas at the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. There were jaguars. Yeah, that's well, not very long ago. Yeah, there's jaguars in Mexico. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, their range extended into Texas at one time. How about that? Very recently. Here's geographic distribution of the leopardus. Well. This is really. I'm gonna go down a wormhole over here. You're gonna have to reel me back in. All right, we're just gonna give you a few seconds because. Uh, yeah, there was a breeding pair of uh, panthers in 1970 in the Mobile Delta, documented. By who? Somebody. The doc people that document stuff. <laughs> the documentors. It's like those YouTube people you always talk about. They're everywhere. Yeah, the YouTube cameras are everywhere. All right, well, so why don't we, uh, while Lanny goes down this hole and before we put everybody to sleep, why don't we take a break, pay some bills, and uh, Jason, let's see if we can get Jason Cook on the telephone, and we'll start off with his uh, encounter, and then we'll close out today's episode with, with a little bit of Dudley and his Ask Dudley question. So. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to hear what Jason's got to say. Yeah, I am too. We've been talking about it for weeks. Yeah. The Gamekeeper magazine is our life outdoors on paper. We love Gamekeeper's magazine. It's full of great information. Full of ideas on how to make the habitat better. From plots to trees to whitetails and waterfowl. It's total farm management. There's so much information in Gamekeeper, especially when it comes to managing your property. You can't go wrong if you want to improve your habitat for wildlife. Pick up our Gamekeeper's magazine. Gamekeeper, the journal of wildlife stewardship. Hello. Jason Cook. Bobby, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I got Lanny Wallace here. Hey, Jason. Hey, man. And Dudley Phelps on my other side, and we're uh, we're excited to hear your story. Cool. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to tell about it and talk about it and go through all the details and everything. It's um, going to be the first time I've really, really even talked to anybody about it. Well, you know... Um, Jason, just for everybody listening, I don't really know Jason, and um, we we have some mutual friends. But when I saw the when I heard about what happened, and I saw the picture, and you were wearing Bottomland and a gamekeeper hat, uh, yeah, I felt just, like I knew him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, is that one of our boys down there? <laughs> I mean, that was that was pretty exciting. And he was turkey hunting too. <laughs> so if you know anybody yeah. wears Bottomland, we have enough. We 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 know we would like you right. Yeah, off part of, of brotherhood. That's right. <laughs> Man, I've been I've been in Bottomland for 
I mean, for as long as I can remember, it's um, just what I've always, always worn. I mean, it's, she can't, can't really beat it. Now, Bobby says it best. What'd you say? You feel like your old water moccasin curled up at the bottom of an oak tree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get just a little <laughs> yeah, mud on it. Oh, boy, I'm telling you, get a little dirty and it really yeah. gets real. That's good stuff. So, Jason, tell us a little, before you tell your story, a little bit about you. I was telling everybody that you, you've you got this Land of Giants outfitter and you pretty much hunt all the time, all over the world, I guess, or country at least. So, tell us just a little bit about you. Yeah, no, man, absolutely. So, uh, I started I started working for Georgia Power, uh, I guess when I would have been 20, about 23 or so. And, you know, I grew up hunting my whole life. I grew up on a phenomenal piece of property in South Fulton County down in Georgia. And, man, just always thought I'd have the best piece, of, you know, for a lifetime to hunt on. And one thing led to another. And, you know, the land kind of got, ended up getting leased out. And I said, man, I got to find, find somewhere to actually go. So I got on my phone and I started Googling turkey hunting outfitters in, in Kentucky. Cause I never, at the time I never hunted Kentucky before and always wanted to go. So I Googled a, an outfitter. I can't even, oh, I can't even remember the name of it right off the top of my head. And cause most of them, you know, they just said no, 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 no. And this guy, as soon as I called him and told him, you know, I said, hey, my name's Jason Cook. One of, one of the talk to you about doing a little guiding for you. And he said, he said, man, yeah, how, you know, how you been doing? And I said, well, I'm doing pretty good. He said, yeah, I needed, needed you up here last week. And I said, well, if I'd have known last week, you know, I, absolutely. Um, but I didn't know anything about it. And he said, oh, man, quit playing. You know, we, you've got it for me for years and this and that. And just kept going back and forth. And I said, sir, I don't think we know each other. He said, no, he said, I need you here in the morning. I said, well, if I can... If I can find a way to get away, I said, absolutely. So right after that, I jumped in my truck and I just drove to Kentucky to the address that he gave me. And I got up there probably, I guess it was about two o'clock in the morning and I knocked on the door and the guy said, um, can I help you? And I said, yes, my name is Jason Cook. And he said, oh my God, man, I've got, I've completely got you mixed up with somebody else. And I said, that's what I was trying to tell you that we didn't know each other. He said, well, you're already here. You know, we'll see. We'll see how you do. And the next morning, it was just pouring down rain and had two, two old doctors and they, um, they were standing there staring at me like you're ready to go. And I was thinking, crap, what have I, what have I gotten myself into? Well, ended up taking them hunting, had a great time. Both of them killed birds and they went back and they bragged to the, to the owner of the outfitter, you know, how well the hunt went and everything. And everybody was happy. So he asked me to come back the next week. So I started going up there for them pretty regular and I was just doing it for just to have another place to hunt and to take people hunting, I guess to say. So had a, found a piece of property that come open for lease in Kansas and I've never, never hunted Kansas before at the time. And it was pretty much going to be for for deer hunting, but it was about the time turkey season kind of hit off and me and a guy would jump in the truck and drove all the way up there to it. We were standing there right at daylight and we said, What are we gonna what are we gonna do if we just drove all this way and we don't even hear hear a bird gobble? Said, well, you know, what else what else can we do? Man, it was right after that I bet there's a fifteen or twenty birds down the river bottom just started hammering and it was the most incredible thing I've ever heard in my life. You can't know because I love I love turkey um and man it just 
I got to eat up with it so bad. Well, the people in who I've got it over the years in Kentucky, they all automatically assumed that I was an outfitter in Kansas, and I kept telling them, I said, "Man, I'm not, I'm not an outfitter. I'm, I've just got one 400 acre piece of property. That's all I've got." And they said, "Oh no, you're kidding, you're kidding." Well, people started sending me money to, to come up and go on a hunt, so I'm trying to trying to scramble and trying to figure out how how to make it all work out, you know, on trying to organize dates and everything. And, and it ended up working out pretty well for me. I was just charging thousand bucks, a thousand bucks a week and put them in a $29 hotel. And next thing I know, it just turned into a, you know, pretty incredible business. I ended up moving my family up here and, um, took a job with a power company up here. So I could kind of have that comfort zone of being an outfitter, but, still having a full-time job to kind of lean back, lean back on it. Well, one thing after another, the, the job deal kind of fell through and my daughter, Abigail, she was, uh, I guess she's probably four, I guess about four at the time. She said, daddy, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to be the best outfitter Kansas has ever seen. And it, from that point on, I made up my mind. I said, well, this is what I've always wanted to do. It's kind of a, a now or never type deal. And I just hit it full on. So what all do you guide for? Is it uh, waterfowl as well? Yep, up here in Kansas I do. Um, whitetail is, you know, the bread and butter, I guess to say. Um, we do a lot of waterfowl, and I do I do a few turkey hunts. I don't I do not do as much as some outfitters do because, man, I'm always going during turkey season, and I don't ever I – don't, I never consider, you know, doing the waterfowl and the, and the deer hunting as a job. But at the same time, that's how that's how I make a living, and I never wanted to turn turn my turkey hunting into that as well because that is that is my time. You know, it might sound crazy to some people, but I would I would kill I kill two or three birds over a 180 inch whitetail any day of the week, uh, and I never I never want to lose that fire or ever even try to make something turn it to where turkey hunting feels like a job to me. Mm. Well, we can appreciate that. Yeah. Speaking of turkeys, where was this place in Kansas? You said it was fifteen or twenty turkey coppers. <laughs> yeah, you got our attention on that one yeah. for sure. Wow, it's, um, it's just something, something about it. You can't really no. Man, and people ask me all the time, "What's your favorite your favorite thing to do?" And I when I tell them turkey hunting and sheep hunting, it's it's one of them deals. And they say, "Oh man, over you, you like turkey hunting more than a deer," and it's one of them deals. Either you love it. Or you don't care anything in the world about it. So, um, Jason, if you would, would you kind of walk us through, tell us the story of your Florida hunt, where, what part of Florida, you know, all the details that you can, and just kind of walk us through. Because when uh, when you and I talked a few weeks ago, I came in and kind of shared it with the guys. And it, it was a fascinating story to all of us. And let me start off yeah. by, by, by saying that, uh, you know, this thing kind of created a – uh, a, some, a, a storm and maybe even caused you some grief uh, on social media. And we want to make sure that you get a chance to kind of tell your side of that story, so to speak, so we can, you know, clear up any uh, miscommunications. No, absolutely, man. So with me, sheep season starts around, you know, the first, the first of August. So usually I'm in Alaska and, by mid-August for just fighting the snow. And then deer season here starts uh, first of September 
part of the second week of September, and then we're full on from there till the end of January. And during that whole time frame, it's usually fighting snow, fighting cold, fighting the wind. Um, it's just just working as hard as you possibly can, day in, day night, tracking deer. I mean, you don't ever get any sleep. So when waterfowl season's over, it is, I kind of call it my, my hibernating mode, um, and just, just want to lay down and relax. But I can't ever wait to get to Florida because in March, in March here, I mean, it's, it's still, it can still be you know, pretty brutal cold. So I always try to run down to Florida the first second that I get. My oldest daughter, Abigail, she was born on March 3rd, and I always leave after her birthday to drive down. Can't wait to get down there for the warm weather. The this turkey season, you know, you're getting the first crack at them. Um, my best friend Gatlin, he and I, we, we travel the country together turkey hunting. Well, we go down, and I've got, I've got several good friends who live down there who I've whether traded out deer hunts for a turkey hunt before in the past or whatever it might be. And um, I've got a really good friend of mine down there who's got an incredible piece of property that we get to hunt. So we've been on it for, oh man, it was probably two or three days, I guess you'd say. And it was just kind of, it was kind of different. It, it wasn't like it usually is over the, the year's time of, man, you hear birds gobbling, you can kill them. Fairly, fairly easy and quick. Well, I was going to say day two or three. I don't even think we've heard a bird. You know, same, same. So they don't. The birds don't. They don't respond, and they don't. They don't gobble like they do when a cat's in the area. I said, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I don't. I ain't buying that. Um, and I was just joking with them. I said, I think you'll come here and wipe them out last year. Man, I'm telling you that that that's the truth. I said, yeah, I still don't still don't buy it. Well. And I didn't know. I said, maybe it's the pressure's off. Um, you know, maybe they're not quite right yet. But I know on the north side on the way down, we stopped and listened to some birds that were just on fire. And I just couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what was going on to why we're in one of the best places in South Florida and not hearing a, not even hearing a peep. Well, so on that day, on the next day would have been March 18th is when, when the deal happened. Um, me and Gatlin talked about it that morning. We said, you know, if if nothing's happened this morning, I said, dude, we just need to pack up and go go to another piece of property somewhere else because it's obviously not going to happen here. And I guess it was around probably eight eight forty somewhere around that time frame. I, I called Gatlin and I said, who's on the other side of the oak hammock from me? Trying to hear some birds on that side. And I said, have you done any good? He said, man, I'm sitting in the truck. I said, sorry, dog. Um, <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what, give me give me about 15 minutes and let me see if I can hear anything. And if I don't, I said, I'll meet you at the truck. Well, as soon as I hang up the phone with him, I heard a bird directly in front of me, probably 200, 250, somewhere around there. He, was, he wasn't very, very far. So I said, I'm going to put some pressure on him, and I'm just, just going to call a lot harder than I normally would just to see if I can get a response out of him. So I yelped three times, pretty pretty loud and pretty pretty aggressive, and he cut me off. I said, "Man, I, you know, to myself, I'm talking to myself. I'm like, okay, we might have might have something going on here." So I waited probably nine nine or ten minutes somewhere around there, and I hit him again loud just to see if I could get something get something else out of him because I hadn't heard him anymore or seen anything or nothing was going on. Well. I was going to do the same sequence. I was going to yelp three more times. Well, I yelped the first time, and I yelped the second. 
And when, right when I went to get the third one out of my mouth, man, it, that's when that's when it all happened. I'm sitting on the tree facing, I guess you would say, 12 o'clock. Well, on my right shoulder is where it hit me at, and it come across my face, and it felt like it, it kind of almost felt like a tree had hit me at, at the time. I really the best way to kind of describe it. Well, the next thing I know, I see blood just running all over my face, and I'm trying to get myself off the, off the ground and gather my thoughts on kind of what's going on. And that's when I look up and I see the cat. It is literally probably 50 yards from me. And he's turned back and he's looking at me. And it just walks back into the woods like, okay, my, my job is done here. And I said, oh, my God, what? What in the world just happened? You know, I said, this yeah. is this is unbelievable. So I grabbed my phone out to look at to look at my face because my right eye, I could feel a bunch of blood in it. So I pulled my phone out and I look and I noticed that I, I still had an eye, thank God. And mm-hmm. and uh, so I immediately called Gatlin and I say, hey man, um, where are you at? And he said, I'm on the way. And I said, well, you said 15 minutes. And he said, well, it's only been like 12, Jason. I said, well, you ain't going to believe what just happened. So I, I gather my stuff up and I start walking, walking back to the truck and I'm probably, uh, 100, 150 yards tops from where, where the, the attack occurred and I see a truck pulling up and I said, man, that's not, that's not Gatlin's truck. I don't know what, and I realized it was a game warden and he jumps out of the truck and he comes walking up to me. And he says, um, what happened to you? And I said, I said, a panther jumped on me. He said, no, what really happened? I said, man, I said, look at my face. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. And he just kind of went kind of ghost white. And when I ran into him, it was, it was at 9.05. So it was roughly 14 minutes after, after the attack occurred. And it was less, you know, like I said, less than 150 yards away. Well, then Gatlin, Gatlin and, um, the other guy, he come pulling up and, you know, they're like, <laughs> they didn't have a clue what was going on either at the time. Um, my shirt was covered in blood. My face was cut up. And so I'm trying to, trying to explain everything to them, trying to explain to the, the game warden what was going on. He got out a, a first aid kit and he started, you know, trying to, trying to help clean myself up. And, and it was, it was pretty unreal. Goodness. Wow. Yeah, you know, boy, I tell you what. That, so I do have to, we'll, we'll get into all this, but I do have to ask. So you you left the turkey? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to grab. Yeah. No, so, yeah, I, I left. Man, I, I did. Um, and, you know, the part that I forgot to add, so the the day before, which would have been March 17th, it was, Probably, man, I don't know, probably 3.30 or some, somewhere around there. Um, Gatlin and I were walking, and we kept hearing this noise that it was It was kind of like, man, I can't really describe it. And I've only heard it once in my life, and I heard it in, um, we were down in the Everglades turkey hunting. Gatlin and I, that was the year before, we drove way back in there, and we were going to get out of the truck, and it's just pitch black dark. We don't have a clue where we're at. And trying to look at a map, and we lose service, and we go to get out of the truck, and 
you could hear buzzers flying around all up in the trees, and we kept hearing that noise. And I said, I don't know what kind of witchcraft stuff's going on down here. And I said, but I ain't. No, we ain't getting out of the truck yet. Let's let it get a little light before we start the seven mile walk back into where we were going. And it was that was the only other time that I've ever heard that noise. So I don't know if it was like a mom calling to her babies or the or vice versa or or what it was. Um, you know, being in Alaska and hunting up there, uh, you know, you've heard I've heard foxes forever uh, up there. They just run around, screech around your tent all all night long, and it's it's kind of similar to that noise, but on a on a completely different level of it, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if if that's what we were hearing the day before. I man, I have I have no idea. I'd love to know, but I don't. I'm assuming you know the best of the stuff that I gather. That's probably probably what it was with a mom and a baby. And when when I was in there hunting, I just kind of got too close to that comfort zone. I don't, I don't really know. And that um, was near the same place. Yeah. It was literally probably, uh, 75 yards from where, where we heard that at the day before. So Jason, you were telling me, uh, last time we talked that, that when you were t- telling me the story, one of the things that struck me that I hadn't thought about was that, uh, guiding in alaska you had experience with like bear attacks and some other stuff and you knew you needed to get some help pretty quick because there was is there certain bacteria that may have gotten in those cuts is that what you were telling me yeah cats are they have they're real bad to to bacteria so i didn't know and especially walking down you know the swamps in south florida you don't know what's what's down there whether the bacteria is that the alligators carry or whatever it might be you know because their, their nails are always the cat's nails are always in the mud and, you know, they're walking in the bottoms of things. So you don't, you don't ever really know what, what it might have. Well, the, the game warden wanted me to, to walk them back down in there to show them the exact location in the tree and kind of walk them through everything. At this time I've got, and I've got my wife, she's freaking out. She don't have a clue what's going on. I'm, I'm telling her, I said, Hey, I'll call you back. I'll call you back. So I actually FaceTimed her to show her my face when, when it happened and she didn't, she didn't know anything, you know, at the time. And that's when I told, told the game warden, I said, man, I'd be more than glad to go back down there with you. I said, but first things first, I said, I need to get to the, to the hospital and get this cleaned and get everything taken care of and see what, what we need to do as far as the bacteria side of it. Um, so I actually went, went to Lake Placid and that's where they stitched everything up and get everything cleaned up on me. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Did you have any any vision issues after that? I mean, it, it, it didn't hurt your eye, did it? No, no, not at all. So the the blood that was in my eye, um, I guess you could say, is probably maybe a quarter of an inch below my eyebrow, and I don't, you know, so tender up there. Whenever you get the slightest cut, it just bleeds. Well, that blood was running down there in it, but as far as actually touching my eye, it never it never touched it or or actually. Um, I lived. So one, one time right below it, well, the main blood of it was my, across my cheek, um, below my eye, and then actually caught my nose, and it was a really bad gash right in the center of it, and then it went all the way across, across my nose, and three quarters of the way across my mouth on my top lip, and that's, that was another spot to where it was the deepest. I mean, it was almost completely all the way through it. Mm. Wow. No fun. 
and great. And it, it was, uh, and, and the whole time, you know, I, I was still just mind blown of, of Yeah, I'm sure you're in shock, yeah. Yeah, we've got a buddy that, uh, that, that got attacked by a bobcat, and he said, you know, like, you know, it was, he was in shock and just couldn't figure out what's going on for the longest time when he was turkeying. Hey, a couple quick questions. Did, did the, did the um, cut on your eye, you think it impaired your vision? I mean, obviously there was blood in your eye, but on the, and, and I hate to ask you these questions. I'm not, did you, uh, you said you saw the cat after the attack running away. Yeah, no, as far as my vision, it didn't, it didn't affect it any. It was, um, you know, when your eyes water and oh, you know yeah. you can, it, it gets kind of blurry on you or whatever. But when when the blood was running across my eye, man, it, it never it never made anything blurry. It just felt like kind of like my eye was watering, but without the vision part being right. you know disordered or blocked or whatever. I mean, it was completely fine. Um, but it, it was not. There was absolutely no question at all. You know about what. Well, are you sure what you're saying? Um, yeah, that's what I was getting the, at, yeah. really. One of, the, one of the questions that the game wardens asked me, they said, well, to a male or a female? I said, man, I'm good, but I ain't that good. I can't tell you. That's <laughs> yeah. work, you know. But, <laughs> I wasn't looking up at it whenever it come across me. <laughs> it was a three-and-a-half-year-old female. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tried to scrape my eye. Did you? But you saw the long tail on it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And you had uh, somebody said you had uh, game camera images of of the cat prior to that, maybe. Yeah, we were getting we were getting pictures of him probably. Man, it's not every day. It was every every other day or every third day. Um, we got multiple pictures of him. Wow, you so, think? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. Yeah, I was just wondering. You know, I just got back from New Mexico, and there was a, a cat incident out there where. Um, the, you know, a hunter happened to come up on in between a cat and its cubs, uh, and, you know, they had to defend themselves. So I was wondering if you really thought that maybe there was, do you think the, the cat thought you were a turkey, which I'm sure you can yield. We went down that now. Or do you think it was, I guess, out of predation or you think it was maybe out of protection? No, I think, so I think that video, uh, that was going around on social media, you know, last week or whenever it was when mm-hmm. that guy was trying to, it was walking in that, that mom cat was, um, she was kind of pouncing him and just swatting, you know, she wasn't, yeah. she wasn't trying to eat him or trying to, you know, no, she, was kill not him him like she just wanted him to get, to get, get out of that area. Mm-hmm. So the, the best thing that I can describe, you know, I don't, I don't think that, you know, I'm some, turkey calling God and you know I called in um, a cat in South Florida that thought I was a turkey and it was man I'm, I'm fixing to get a get a meal out of this deal oh man it's not that's no. not what I thought it was I, right. I don't think that was any any of it at all because they're so smart it's, it's unbelievable I think it was a um there was several hogs in the area that I was actually watching that morning and you know looking back at it now whenever they disappeared you know, I didn't think anything about it you know, I'm sitting there just as still as I possibly can, just watching the hogs. Well, they took off for an answer. Well, maybe they, they went to me or whatever. I don't know if if she was in there trying to catch one of them mm-hmm. or, you know, and, and then heard the noise. But my mind and my heart tells me that, you know, she, I've been in there for a couple of days now. And I think it was more or less a, uh, enough, enough. Because um, it wasn't trying to just 
maul me like right. you know, people that hear a, a panther attack or uh, whatever they want to call them down there. It wasn't a, um, it was nothing like that. It was literally a, the way that it kind of missed my face, it was more or less just a, a real quick blow, like, hey, that, you know, nothing right. enough. That's enough. And I think she was just trying to, just kind of like a warning shot of, hey, get out of here. <laughs> Believe it or not, I did. It sounds like it works. Yeah, yeah, it does make a lot of sense. So, wow. Jason, uh, after you and I talked the first time, and um, w- when we talked, you mentioned something about some social media backlash that you had gotten. It, it kind of after we finished talking, I just got to think about it. It was I could tell talking to you that you're a legitimate, serious turkey hunter, and being a legitimate, serious turkey hunter, you just by nature you love all things wild. Mm-hmm. And I. I I'm sure you're as fascinated by the cats as we are. I I, I know I'm speaking for all of us here at the table. I know we we talk the about it that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> we and we, we want to we like them too. Yeah, yeah that's no we're not about really that. we, we want to protect them. That, absolutely, like, yeah. they're the one of the coolest things going. And the state of Florida has done a fantastic job right. of trying to do that. But um, so some people thought you were trying to start inadvertently trying to give reason to start a hunting season, and that's could not be further from the truth. Am I speaking correctly? Absolutely. You know, the, the, the way that, you know, hunting is not only my number one passion in the world, you know, um, rather with my family, but it, it's my it's my livelihood and it's my job at the same time. Um, I, I've had some very cool encounters, some crazy encounters, and bad and good. I, I couldn't... I couldn't imagine why somebody in in my position would try to start a um, a scam type deal on, on something along the lines of that, you know, and say, yeah, I'm fixing to jump on social media and I'm going to stir up the hunting world and say, hey guys, I got, I got attacked by a panther. I, to this day, I have never posted a single a single thing about it. You know, never said, hey, hey, look at me. Uh, this is what happened. All the, all the things it got twisted up so bad because um, whenever, whenever somebody first shared it, you know, it, a good friend of mine, whenever he shared it, it just went completely viral. I don't know, remember how many thousands of people that it reached, but it, you can only imagine the of hearsay and so and so telling somebody this. How bad it, it got twisted up. I mean, there were I had people calling me, you know, wanting to know what ICU room I was in and. Um, was I going to make it? I'm like, what are you, what are you people talking about? <laughs> like, well, man, we, we heard, we heard that you were dying. I said, no, I, no, not at all. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And it, it got so big so quick that I knew if, if I tried to try to fight and say, no guys, this is what happened. Uh, no, this is what happened. Uh, no, I don't care what so-and-so said. This is the truth. I couldn't have done it all. I could have done it all if I would have even tried or even put a, could have put a dent in it. So I said, you know what? People are going to talk. They can do what they want to. I know the truth and I know what happened and I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. there were people that would call me and say, can you believe what so-and-so said about you on social media? And I said, man, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me because deep down I know the truth and that's all that matters. Yeah. I can appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it does. Well, I wanted to make sure you had a chance to kind of 
I'm not saying your your name got tarnished, uh, but there, there were some people that misunderstood your well, he, the intention. his side of the story. You know, nobody, yeah. everybody, you know, there's your side, their side, and the truth. You know, you got to hear all sides That's of the story. Right. Yeah, and we know how brutal social media. Oh my can goodness! Be. You know, people just say things that they wouldn't say if they were in person, and and yeah. I'm sure a lot of that kind of stuff was said. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, it's not. It hasn't affected my business at all. It hasn't affected me or um, friendships or anything along those lines. Uh, you That's know, good. I could have, I could have got mad and tried to try to pr- protect everything. I said, you know, it's not even, man, it's not even worth it. It doesn't matter. The now, if if I'd have been laying there and because the number one question was, did you get a shot at it? I said, <laughs> no, um, I really wasn't even thinking about it. Um, but uh, never could I have shot it? I don't know. I wouldn't have tried to, you know, because really I was like, man, this is one of the coolest thing ever happened to me. I, right. Really, as crazy right. as that sounds, um, I never, I never would have blown it out of proportion, and that was never even the plan to try to try to do so. Hmm. Well, it's a great story. Yeah, absolutely, it, it really is. I mean. Fantastic story. Are you going to go back in there turkey hunting? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, literally, I would go, I would go back, I, I would have went back the, the very next day if if my wife wasn't just hounding me, hey, you got to get home right now. Yeah. <laughs> because, or she started reading about the bacteria and all that. Well, um, I had to go get uh, rabies shots, you know, well, it's, mm-hmm. I've always heard in the past, well, they've got to do the shots close to the wound, which would have been in my nose. And I've, and I've had nose surgeries from um, a bad folder years ago and don't even like my nose to be touched. So I, I drive all the way back home, you know, and I get there and we'll go to the hospital. And, you know, so many hours after the attack, you've got to have the, the first round of shots. X amount of hours. I, I don't remember exactly what it was. And so... We go and do all that. I think the first round was like seven or eight shots. And I was laying there on the couch for about a day or two. And I was just going just stir crazy. I said, man, I can't. It's church season. I can't. I can't be sitting on the couch right now. And behold, one of my friends called and said, hey, you know, you want to come down to South Georgia and go the birds are on fire? I said, I said, yeah, I'll be, I'll be right there. Um, the man I jumped in the truck and picked up Gatlin in Georgia and, on March 25th, we were we were in South Georgia Turkey, and then from there we left and went to Bighorn, Wyoming. We was up there on you know April 30th, and we left there and went to South Texas, you know, on the sixth. Um, the thing, but what I didn't realize once you start the rabies shot, um, you have to you get to stay in that location and get them. So and it's it's once a week, and I want to say it's for like three or four weeks. So when they when the doctor called. And so, hey, you missed your appointment to get your second round of shots. Um, can we reschedule it? And I said, yeah, I'm close to town. I'm near now with Bob Alsta. We can just set it up down here. And she said, well, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you have, you have to get your second round here. You know, you can't do it down there. We need you to come back home. And mm. that's when my wife, she wasn't, she wasn't very happy about that. I said, well, look, 
I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving from down here. Just These turkeys are goblin. Do you, do you hear me? Yeah, I mean, just to get a shot. I, I said, end of the day, right or wrong, I said, if I die from rabies, I guess what? I'm going to die doing what I love the most in the world. There you go. So no foaming at the mouth lately? You're good, you think? No, no, not lately. Um, <laughs> and I've been, I've been doing pretty good. I've had a couple of times when I got kind of cranky. I said, I wonder if this is going to be the rabies coming out of me. Yeah. But I guess I can always use that for an excuse if I need to. There you go. <laughs> well, it's a good story, and we yeah, appreciate you sharing it with us. Yeah, it's good to hear. Uh, maybe one day we can go to Kansas and uh, experience and 20 gobblers gobbling. Yeah. Sound like it's one for me and you. We can do the podcast up there. Oh, that's oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> Yeah, man, come on, love to have you. Dead gum turkey hunters. Oh, man. Well, Jason, thank you so much. Dudley, do you have any more questions for him? No, I think it's a good story. And, uh, you know, you sound like a credible guy. You you know, you wear the same colors we do. We've got a lot of mutual friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't really have a reason to not believe you. I don't either. Uh, you, you've been all over the place hunting and you've grown up doing it. You know, we were, we were talking earlier about how you, it's easy to identify animals. Uh, yeah. Even if you don't if you grew up in the woods, right. Yeah. Based on their movements and, and all that kind of thing. So, uh, I believe you, you know, and it's, um, like I said, man, you know, going back and looking at it now, am I, Am I mad at the cat population or anything like that? Absolutely not. I don't I don't consider myself one of the greatest hunters in the world, but I do idolize, you know, everything that is. And my opinion, the cat is at the top of the food chain. If you just oh, sit there yeah. and watch a house cat, how stealthy they are and smart and when they know, okay, it's a now or never type deal, that's one of the most incredible things to me is to actually watch one. So to think that I would ever want to start a, a panther season in Florida is the farthest thing from the truth. I agree. Hey, one more quick question. Color. We're talking a lot yeah, about man. color. I've had a, you know, we were talking earlier about my long-tailed cat sighting in Alabama. He, he saw a black panther. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Time to clear my name. But what I think I saw was definitely not a Florida panther, I don't think. It didn't, it wasn't the color of a cougar. So I didn't know, is it, or did, did yours look mountain lionish or... Um, yeah, can so, you describe what it looked like? Yep, the one that um, that I had the encounter with, and even you know several of my friends down there who, man, they see them you know pretty pretty regular. I don't know if they've ever actually seen a black Florida panther. Um, and I, if I got into giving my theories and everything on that, I, I'd get my numbers and everything mixed up. But no, mine was a a sandyish. Darkest mm -hmm. color, I guess, would be the the best way to put it. Um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't tell you what how much the thing weighs. I ain't never held one before. Um, so I would my 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 facts on all of that would be completely. It wouldn't be very very well. But no, it was it was definitely not black. And I've never I don't know of anybody who's actually ever seen a black Florida panther down there. Yeah, uh, yeah, only, yeah. Only, uh, only, only only me. Yeah, I'm the only one. <laughs> Uh, again, it wasn't. I don't think it was a black panther. Well, I believe uh, it was. A, you know, if it's dark, yeah, I can see where that. Oh no, it was broad black. daylight when I saw what I saw. And I'm like you, I know what I saw, uh, but I don't. You know, I know I've always been discredited. They, they love to throw the the landing saw a black panther to discredit it, but I don't believe what I saw was black panther. We were talking about it earlier. I think it was a jaguarundi from you know the Central America or something like that. So. 
Anyhow. Hey, man, I'll, I'll believe you. 100%. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Well, Jason, we really appreciate you being on, and uh, we're going to send you some little GameKeeper gifts. Uh, to, uh, Get him a uh, new uh, hat. To you. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. one of the levy slings. Oh, so anybody man. that's a guest from now on, we're going to send them a Get little Get him a package. care package. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. So, Jason, thank man, you. Man, that's cool. But thank you so much. Yeah, we, we appreciate, appreciate you being on. Yeah. Glad you're okay. Yeah, look forward to turkey hunting with you one day, maybe. Hey, absolutely, guys. And it was a um, man, it was a pleasure talking to y'all. And you know, anything else you ever need, just let me know. Okay, we'll Thanks, do Jason. It. We'll, Thanks, we Jason. will do that when turkey season comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of hard to run down. I usually put my phone on airplane mode and shut the dang thing off that time of the year. But um, I, I ain't too hard to get in touch with. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Yep, I have a good one. Okay. Oh, we'll find him. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So that it's a great story. Now I'm kind. Of, you know, I would be proud of that story. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, it would be an yeah, it would be a cool encounter. Yeah, it would be. So the you know Dudley kind of uh, brought brought it a little bit to the surface, but. There is some the the state of Florida, and I will will say they are doing a fantastic job with what they do and managing the Florida Panther. Yeah, and our hats off to them. Those are, you know, they've got so much in the. At one time, those cats got down to there was less than thirty of them, and now that I think they say that there's about two hundred of them. But they did some DNA tests, and they seem to think that what happened to Jason may have been a, a bobcat, but. I did talk to several people at the, at Florida, and they were really quick to say, "Look, we we don't we we don't know what he saw, you know. Who's to say in the heat of that moment, you know, what somebody sees or thinks they see or whatever?" But they tried to do some DNA analysis, and I, I think they were kind of pointing toward it being a bobcat. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I I. I Jason's got a great story. He does, it, and it, he seems like somebody that would know. If it was a long tail cat or not. Yeah, and I think the fact that he saw it, that's why I wanted to ask the question when he saw it after the attack, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because obviously we know there's bobcats ever. We have we've had friends that have a very similar experience in these woods being attacked by a bobcat sitting on a tree yelping. Our own Kerry Sizemore. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got his turkey vest and everything that was tore up. So but that was what I really, you know, and I believe him, you know, that he what he thinks he saw was a long tailed cat. I think most people that have turkey hunted, I, I, I know I have, mm-hmm. as have called in a bobcat. Yeah. I obviously hadn't, you know, jumped on them, but right. you know, look up and there's one. Kind yeah, of we've heard you out. we've heard that story a lot. Yeah, and coyotes are even more coyotes. Common, yeah, seems. very common. Yeah. We, we run those all the time. So, yeah. I bet you know. I kind of wanted to ask him about that sixth sense. You know, would a a big cat being less than from me to you from there and be able to reach around a tree and pop him? You know, whew. you think he would have heard a leaf, something. Yeah. yeah, cats. You don't now they're slick yeah. now, yeah. and you know those those Florida woods are you know water oaks and little bitty leaves, and, and they're not swampy. as crunchy and it's yeah. wet, humid. Yeah, it's wet. Mm-hmm. You know, years That's ago. That's why we're gonna yeah you know, go together and you sit opposite ways down there. <laughs> well, you know, years ago, I don't know. It's probably been fifteen years ago now, but I was with Al Cheatham from Alabama Farmers Co-op, mm-hmm. and we were down there turkey hunting. And it was right at daylight, and he started kind of whispering real loud and real fast. And I thought there was a turkey gobbling, and we heard some wings. I knew the turkey mm-hmm. had pitched down. And I thought he was excitedly telling me the turkey was on his side of the tree. And I can remember saying, well, just, you know, hang on. Everything's going to be just, you know. 
But he just kept on, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. But there was a long-tailed cat chasing a hen out in front of him, and he was trying to get me to turn around and look at it. And I was scared to death to move with the turkey. So and since then, I have kicked myself mentally in the tail so many times. You might be in the club. You would have been in the club, (laughs) Bobby. His wasn't black, though. Mine was dark. (laughs) But I did get to see a print. So a after all, print. all that, yeah, all, after all that, print. we went and looked, and I, I and actually took a picture, and it was on my BlackBerry for years. It oh, the old berry, yeah. and yeah. I, I lost it. I don't know what happened to it. So, so now we don't know if that's true or not. So I was, I was <laughs> but y'all were in Florida. Well, we were, we were, and in, in, was that the first time? You, is that when you volunteered to hunt the burn? <laughs> no, well, that, was, that was later. <laughs> that was later. Taking one for the team. Well, look, I got just you know not for the cat thing, but I got a little distribution map of the color faces of the. Now that's the, South America. Yeah, I, I know that's South America. Okay, I did take geography, a little bit of it, but well, you went to you can say school. this is this is basically saying. The the habitat, whether it could sustain these cats or not, whether it could sustain, whether it could, so you say sustainability. You know, the red would be these one hundred percent could sustain has a chance of sustaining these kind of cats, and you see it peels on up and through Texas, yeah, Louisiana. Might be a little bit of interbreeding between the old Jaguarundi and the Florida Panther. You can never tell. So, but that, that, that is an interesting map because yeah. that's basically saying South Alabama, Louisiana, the Panhandle of Florida is could sus- the environment could sustain it, these cats. Yeah, and then South Florida is red hot. I mean, you think about all the nutrient stuff running around in them swamps in Louisiana. Oh, that's uh, a jaguarundi. Yeah, okay. jaguarundi. Yeah, sorry. Anybody want any elk sausage? Yeah, mm-hmm. I would like some. When we take a break here in a minute, I'm gonna get some and. Uh, and, and did you see that? Did you the video? He was this the, the that video came out the same day that the um, the the attack happened in New Mexico. But I agree with him. That cat was not attacking. Mm-hmm. If that cat was going to attack you, it would have bit you in the back of the head and been dragging you off. You know what I mean? That was some intense video. And that, yeah. And the the guys in New Mexico said the first mistake he made was backing up. Never back up. Stand your ground. Best thing he could have done was pick up a rock and whop, whopped it in the head. Is that right? Yeah. That's what their advice was. 100%. Well, I mean, and they it, deal with that kind of stuff. It all makes the time. perfect sense, you know, you with your house cat. You know, you, yeah. you drag a string around, they're going to chase mm-hmm. it, you know. So, man, that somersault, elk somersault is just good. Mm. Well, so the Jaguarundi map is interesting. So that keeps your story alive. Alive. Yeah. Keeps you alive. So, well, look, why don't we, uh, do, does anybody else have it while we're here before we move on to other segments? Do we have anything else to add? Do you have any sightings that you want to report? Anything at all, Dudley? No, I, I was talking earlier about, you know, Rob Moore. Um, I've got a, a close friend named Brad Lieb that, uh, you know, I've mentioned him in the last segment where he found a print in the late 90s, took a photo. Game warden verified it, and uh, it's interesting to me that it happened you know, in the in the same river bottom, more or less, as where Rob's story happened. And so, then you say he also said that there was confirmed sightings of jaguarundis in the Mobile Bay, in the Mobile Basin, mm, yes. in the Mobile Basin. Mm. Bay. I feel like this is deja vu. Haven't we already talked? I think about we this? touched yeah. on this a yeah. little. Bit. It's okay. all very interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, why don't we? 
pay some bills, Jason, run a commercial. And uh, when we get back, let's do the Ask Dudley segment. Yeah, now, don't we have some recordings of a fox versus a... Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, let's do that. So, Dudley, keep, do why don't you key these up? You want to do it now? Yeah, might okay. as well. All right, so the first noise is supposed to be a red fox that I pulled off of YouTube. And it was in somebody's backyard, and they filmed it. I actually recorded one in my backyard, but I, I couldn't find it. So and I, this is what we believe most of the, even me. A lot of the, people hear this the, noise yeah. and assume it's a painter cat. Yeah, and we've heard that the, uh, last year here in town, you know, there was apparently one running through the neighborhoods, right. and everybody was talking about, there's a panther yelling behind the house. Now, what is this fox doing when she's making this noise? Is this running around in a backyard? Is uh, she excited? Is it a mating is call? She, or is it a, uh, it sounds funny, but it was messing around with somebody's dog. They were kind of playing. Ah, uh, it it had apparently gotten a little cityfied. But like yeah. I said, I've got, I've got a wild one in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Exact same noise. It ate your chickens, didn't it? Yes. Oh, bad fox. Hmm. Let's hear it. <laughs> I mean, All I right, can yeah. see where that could become. You know. Lenny, that have you running for your truck. All right, boy. You better not do it behind me. Uh, so, all right. So uh, that's a that's a red fox. That is a red fox. And when you when you know when you're typing this into your computer, you're also hearing, you know, seeing comments like mountain lion versus red fox. So obviously Yeah, there's a direct comparison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we got a mountain lion next screaming. Yep. Ooh. I, Bobby, you'd be running from that one. That sounds more caddish. That gave me goosebumps. And that is a mountain lion screaming. Yes, mountain lion, you know, panther, cougar, whatever you want to call it. Felis con color. Is she, what is she doing when she's making that sound? Or he? What, what's going on there? I honestly have no idea. Is that a kitten calling to kittens or something? Perhaps? Possibly. Mm-hmm. It's just like a cat meowing. It's a big cat. A real big cat. <laughs> you think they purr? Oh, I well, guarantee they, they purr. purr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, Jason, we should be playing the Pink Panther music behind all this. All right, well, Dudley, I appreciate you bringing those sounds to the uh, program. To for the us, studio. So. Okay, this elk sausage is good. All right, well, let's mm -hmm. take a break, and when we come back, we'll do the Ask Dudley questions. When I first bought this farm a short time ago, every single field was growing up with brush eight and 10 feet high. But it went from that to this. And even though I planted Biologic with very little moisture in the ground, I was really amazed at the results. I just sat in this field with my wife as she shot her very first deer. We could not be happier. We made a memory that will last a lifetime. All because of the effectiveness of the best food plot seed on the market. Biologic is better seed, pure and simple. Log on to plantbiologic.com to learn more. Hey folks, it's Jeff Foxworthy. You know, when I was a kid, my dad bought back the farm that he had grown up on, and I absolutely loved that place. I knew every square inch of it. It truly was my favorite place on earth. And when you're looking to find a favorite place for you and your family, Mossy Oak Properties can help. Visit MossyOakProperties.com to begin your search today. All right, everybody, welcome back. 
We've uh, we got a few little to the sweltering gamekeeper studio. Yeah, it is. We, We've been pumping some of, hot air, hot air in there today. <laughs> we need to get some air, at least a fan, yeah, a box fan. We need yeah. to call Yacht Yacht and get him to get us. He bring us a box fan. You know, he, he killed an alligator this past week. I yeah. saw him in Florida running around down there. He's the only person I know that's on lizard. his shoulders and. <laughs> anyway, that young and I am Yacht Yacht. <laughs> Yeah, he needs he needs a little something. So, so Dudley, did you have something? You were just it looked like you've been wanting to say well, something. Yeah, I was. You know, back to the cat stuff. I know we keep going back to that. We'll get to my uh, questions in a second. But uh, you know, biologists are trained not only to manage wildlife; they're trained to manage the public. Mm-hmm. Good and point. So, um, in in an effort. To- for wildlife conservation, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why they're doing it, too. So uh, I don't know if I want to go any farther than that, but. Uh, <sighs> Jason says it was a cougar. The game wardens say it was a bobcat. bobcat. We'll just leave yeah. it at we that. Don't, well, we don't they, want to stir the pot. I mean, it's it's a touchy subject. Yeah. It's a wild animal that's endangered. So Well, let's leave it like this. The, the Florida Fish and Wildlife has done a fantastic job in, in the Florida panther recovery. They're doing a fantastic – they have done, they are doing, and they are going to do it. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, so that, that can't be questioned. No, Cannot not be one questioned. bit. They've done a fantabulous job. Yeah, and as the as the hunting public, we need to be supportive of them in their efforts. And uh, But like you said – I don't know. I, Jason's story sounds so believable to me, but I actually talked to a guy from Florida, and he said, "You know, boy, so many of these. It's like nine out of ten attacks, or nine out of ten sightings, even or ends up being just big right. bobcats." So, I'm I'm pro cougar, by the way. So. I'm pro cougar too. Okay, all right. Well, I, I'm I believe Jason. I really do. Yeah. So, I'm I look I. I'm excited that those panthers are down there. I think next time you're out there looking for Bigfoot, you might run into one, Bobby. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. So let's get started with Dudley's. Uh, but we've got to do the intro for Dudley. We've got this fancy intro we built. So let's do that. Once in a generation, a mind comes along, a mind that understands more than the average person and is more than willing to share his knowledge. From trees to food plots to fertilizer, Dudley Phelps knows so much that he has forgotten more than he remembers. And now he gives you the chance to ask the burning questions in your mind. It's time for Ask Dudley. Dudley, both of my questions are related to trees. When using the hack and squirt method, what chemical do you recommend and what time of year is best? And fertilization of trees, same general question. What what fertilizer do you recommend and what time of year would you recommend fertilizing? Thanks for the help. You know, that guy didn't say his name, but I recognize his voice because he's one of my buddies. Your buddies. That's good. It's good Um, to have buddies. You know, as many people who have listened to this podcast, my feelings are a little hurt. There hadn't been a whole lot of questions yet. So I think um, our our kind of method for collecting is kind of disjointed. We're going to, we're rebuilding the gamekeeper side and we're going to make it a lot easier. I've got a lot of buddies that are really interested in this stuff. So I I get a lot of good questions. And and that's my buddy Fancher Smith from Panola County, Mississippi. Panola. Yeah. And uh, he's got a farm around there and he's doing all kinds of cool things. Uh, to it, but you know that was a good question, Fanch. Um, as far as hack and squirt, and I, I know 
I know his place. So he's got a lot of pines and he's trying to get rid of uh, hardwoods in the pines. And uh, so the answer to that for hacking squirt, uh, in my opinion, by far the best chemical to use is called a Mazapir. The trade name is Arsenal. Um, and you can buy it in a 20 or a 40% solution or concentration, excuse me. And uh, I don't want to confuse people too much with that. The best thing to do is go and buy some Amazapir. Uh, you can either get the, uh, the 20 or 40%. Just follow the label. Um, it's usually going to say anywhere between 5 and 20% needs to be Amazapir, and the rest needs to be water. And if you use that, basically, uh, when the sap is not flowing heavily in the trees, so uh, more or less summer through winter, if I had to pick favorite months to do it, I would probably say June through January. And uh, that's what you use. You, you make a hack with a hatchet about every three or four inches around the tree. So, you know, if it's a three-inch tree, you make one hack, and then you squirt one squirt of that solution, and then you go to the next tree. Ninety percent of that time, ninety percent of the time, that tree will be dead the next year. Uh, there's all other kinds of chemicals you can use and whatnot, but that's the best for the widest range of species. And follow the label. Follow the label. I can speak from experience. Follow the label. <laughs> exactly, to a T. <laughs> to one, a T. The, one, the bottle yeah. you buy, follow the label. Uh, and he also talked about fertilizing the trees of ours that he's been planting. He comes every Thanksgiving and buys some trees from us and takes them to his family. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Y'all have probably seen him here. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, you know, that's a good question because we ran out of our favorite fertilizer and we're going to get that reformulated. But in the meantime, my favorite thing to use is Osmocote. It's a slow-release chemical fertilizer. Uh, when you use the slow-release types, it's, it's not as bad for your soil. The, the life in your soil, I think, is really important right in that root zone. So if you're going to use chemical fertilizers, use a slow-release or a coated fertilizer like Osmocote. I use a heaping, table excuse me, heaping tablespoon per seedling put it about three inches away from the root ball and about two inches deep and just stomp it shut with your foot and go to the next tree. Uh, he said, what time of year? Anytime you have time to do it. But I mm -hmm. like uh, the best is like late winter or early spring. You can really tell the difference when you do it too. Yes. I mean, the leaves are greener, everything. It's just amazing how well it works. Yep. And that slow release is good because uh, you, you're not getting too much nitrogen at one time. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it works on all kinds of plants. So give it a shot, Fancher. Thanks for the question. Is there, is there another question? That's, That's it. 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 Okay. It was right. a two double part. up. No, a two it was a double question. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his name is Fancher? Yeah. It's From Panola County. Yeah. Oh, I heard a quail. Uh-oh. Yeah, let me, let me hit end on that. Bobby, you can't stay out of that elk sausage over there. It's delicious. Mm, good. Whose is that? That's uh, actually from uh, Caledonia from Fork and Road. I mean, Jack. Is that yours? Yeah, that's from last year. Oh, good. So you killed an elk last year and this year. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. That. Do I need to remind you of that? <laughs> and you probably already good. made plans for next year, I would guess. I don't think I'm going to get that lucky again. 
But if I get drawn, <laughs> I'm planning on going. I, I'd be lying. Every day since then, I've woke up thinking about, hmm, you know, if I was out there, I'd probably go right up here and look in here. And all those I'm gonna things. I'm gonna put in, yeah. And whether I get it or not, I'm still gonna go out west and go backpacking. There you go. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. Have you spent do. much time in New Mexico? Uh, I've spent 23 straight days in the Gila before without well, well, without coming out. There so, you go. But it wasn't elk hunting. Yeah. It was just having fun. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of having fun, is our <laughs> is McElwain ever going to come back? I don't know. We're you know. There's so many things that aren't happening since yeah, he's on since vacation he's, out yeah. in the snow in Wyoming, mule deer hunting. Hmm. It must be nice to be 24, 25 years old, not a <laughs> I for, I've forgotten what it's like. Yeah, I did too. Soccer no practice. And, yeah. Mm, well, cool. Mm, mm. Well, what are we going to learn today? So did look, you know? Yeah, I've got a, if you would, Jason, if you would hit that, hit this little thing. There's a little bird called the whippoorwill. Uh-huh. This got some, he's really well, I can hear him. Can y'all hear him? <laughs> you know, and that's what they do. They, uh, it might be just a little loud. <laughs> but once they, once they start whistling, they can go for a long time. And they will keep you up at night if you're camping. But so what's so fascinating that you rarely ever see one. Mm. I, I mean, if you're a turkey hunter, you've probably seen them as you're driving in to go hunting. That they might get up out of the middle of the like road, like a snipe, and, and fly. They, they you would think that's what you've just seen, but yeah. there's probably a whippoorwill. But if you you just never walk around in the woods and see one, mm-hmm. they're, they they look like they're dipped in bottom land. Oh, they're super camo. And I'll show you that photo. We'll put it. Well, look up at on that the, dude. Yeah, and here's the most interesting thing: they sit sideways on a branch. So where most birds sit with the branch. Uh, they sit you know, w- with the branch laying long ways that, under that's them. That's right. That's how they do. And they, they nest on the ground. And they so these, these birds are out here, and at, at dusk and at daylight, they feed on insects. Except during a full moon, they'll feed all night long. But their bodies are, they time it where the female, well, she will lay her eggs about two weeks before a full moon. So when those eggs hatch, she and her her mate can feed all night long on insects to bring back to those baby birds. Huh? And nature is so amazing. Yeah, look, it really is. And the, yeah, the way they adapt to things like the moon phases. Right. Yeah, we're going to talk amazing. more about moon phases. Yeah, we talked about that earlier yeah, today. That'd boy. be a cool subject. Very yeah. cool. Subject. Uh, while we're at it, there's another species in the same genus as whippoorwill that people often confuse. Uh, it's called the Chuck Will's widow. Huh. Uh, I did. They almost look identical. Hmm. So, but it's a different species. Yeah. Listeners, just read up on that yeah, a little bit. A little, little dud fact. You know, some of the, the native, they say that uh, like early American lore that probably may have come from actually the Native American lore mm-hmm. was that if you heard of Whippoorwill, it was kind of impending some kind of something bad was about to happen. Ah. You know, and there's a lot of country music songs that talk about uh, Whippoorwill, Lonesome Whippoorwill, mm-hmm. Hank Williams, and. Well, I tell you what, it reminds me of the dummy line. It does, you know. And I was trying to remember. It seems like we hear whippoorwills mostly toward the end, end of, the, of season. the season. I was thinking we're starting to hear whippoorwills. It would be late season, mm-hmm. but then when we go to Missouri during that two week Missouri season, mm-hmm. there's whippoorwills are going crazy up there. Mm-hmm. I love to hear them though. But I read online that one guy sat and counted a thousand and eighty eight calls. Man, that thing calls. had a sore throat when it was done, didn't it? Oh, so, and that's a mating call that they're doing. 
It's ple- it's pleasant, but yeah. it gets old quick, in my opinion. Especially if you're sleeping. Yeah. Or trying to sleep. Trying to sleep. That's right. Yeah. So that's my did you know little factoid today. Thanks, Bob. The mighty whippoorwill sits sideways on the branch. But I guess it'd be with the branch. Depends on which ways. Yeah. You know, well, he sits the, the, with it. Yes. And that, I don't know of another bird that sits like that. I mean, he's definitely more camo because he does it that way. He is super camo. It almost, it could almost look like a hummingbird nest sitting on that oh, branch. Yeah. Go yeah. Google Whippoorwill and look at the image, guys. It's pretty impressive. Hmm. I'll do that. Okay. What else have we got? Dudley, have you got anything? You know, I, I can't think of anything else. Me Hand me that elk summer yeah, sausage. Yeah, get that elk yeah, summer yeah. sausage. Jason, you got anything? And I hope everybody will keep on sending in cat stories, you know? Yeah, we'll have to revisit these at yeah, some point. Yeah. So, Lanny, do you have anything else? I have nothing else. There it is. We're going to sing us on out of here. So. Well, we're, we appreciate everybody listening. Next week we'll have another podcast. So, yeah, uh, look forward to it. Everybody have a good week. Let's uh, get your patented exit and phrase. Get us out of here, Cleve. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.